0: Today's guest pays millions of dollars to Amazon sellers to buy their brands, and he's going to tell you exactly what you need to do if you eventually want that kind of payday. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And we've got somebody who definitely helps serious sellers out there, Chris. Chris, how's it going?
1: Good, Bradley. How are you doing?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. Now today we're going to be talking all about, you know, like getting your, your Amazon business ready for, for potential sale. But before we get into your, your history and, and the nitty gritty of this, can, let's just start off the episode with a bang. Can, can you give us like maybe your, your best tip as far as what an Amazon seller needs to concentrate on if they eventually, if they're building their business up to eventually sell?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we are looking for businesses that have built uh, a winning product and winning SKUs or ASINs, right? So we really want to find companies out there who are leading in organic search, who have great ratings and reviews, low return rates, um, really something that it stands out from the crowd within whatever product niche they've chosen to compete in.
0: Excellent, excellent. All right, so we're gonna get more into detail on that stuff, but that's, that's a great way to start the episode. Let's take it back, you know, right before we started recording you said that you know before you've lived in California, you're actually in Boston right now. Where were you actually born and raised for the most part?
1: Yeah, I was born in Tokyo. My father was a doctor in the Air Force, um, and so I was born on an Air Force Base outside of Tokyo.
0: So then after Tokyo, you were just like, kind of like doing the military life, going from base to base?
1: Yeah, yeah. Moved pretty much every two years growing up. Um, I ended up finishing high school outside of South Dakota – outside of Pierre, South Dakota, and um, went to undergrad in Atlanta and then moved to Milwaukee after that, and then Pittsburgh, uh, and now I live outside of Boston. So I have been all over the, all over the country and uh, the world growing up. So I can go through all those places if you want, but
0: go ahead. So as you're bouncing around from place to place growing up, like, uh, I mean, were you wanting to be in the military when you grew up, or what did you envision your life turning out to be? You want to be a doctor?
1: Yeah, it was, I didn't want to be in the military, but I did, I did want to be a doctor. So I thought going into undergrad that I was going to go to medical school. Um, and then um, I just, you know, another uh, four years of medical school, then residency and internship and all that, the long stuff. I just wanted to get out there and start working and start making a living. And so after four years of undergrad, I was ready to jump out into the world. And so gave up at that point.
0: So you gave up on the, on the medical path. So then what was your first gainful employment, I guess you could say?
1: Yeah. First job out of, so I was a computer engineer uh, in undergrad and my first job was at GE Healthcare in Milwaukee, where I was in uh, what they call the IMLP program, which is the information management leadership program, supposed to put me on a path towards being a CIO one day, uh, which is a chief information officer. Um, It was a two-year program. After a year, I decided uh, two things. One, I didn't want to work at a company as big as GE. So there were about 140,000 employees just in the healthcare Ooh. division. And that was one of seven GE divisions. And so too big, uh, too bureaucratic for me. And then second, I didn't really love doing infrastructure technology. So I was doing kind of database integrations and server uptime uh, type of stuff. And
0: Sounds um, exciting.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, So I actually left after a year. I quit in the middle of the program. Um, and I joined. I'm uh, noticing a
0: trend here. I don't yeah, know if I, <laughs> you're not not finishing what you start here. I don't know if yeah. you're a good guest to have for inspiration. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just playing. But go go ahead, continue, continue.
1: Yeah. Uh. So I, I wanted to you know I felt very uh, far away from real business when I was doing all this server uptime type stuff, and um. So I went and I got a job in sales. So I sold copiers and software for two years. Outside sales rep, hardest job I've ever had. So then, after doing that for two years, I went to business school at Carnegie Mellon, uh, a great school. Learned a lot there. And then after Carnegie Mellon, I went to Bain & Co., which is a consulting company uh, based in Boston. So that's what brought me to Boston. Um, and I was there for about six and a half years.
0: I just want to, you know, bring something out real quick. Is is the reason why we we, we talk about this? You know, on on all the episodes, I, I like doing people's backstories. It, it's kind of twofold. One, uh, I want to show how you know, almost no, no two people on the show have ever had the same background yet. We somehow all end up kind of like in this e-commerce space. And so, you know, I don't want anybody out there thinking, Hey, I, I, I was, a uh, I, I, you know, grew up uh, wanting to be a garbage man and that's what I do now and there's no way I can get out of this you know what you think you're going to do when you're younger or what you you even go to college for isn't necessarily what you have to do yes i was making light of it but hey there is nothing wrong with you get into a certain career path or education path if you don't realize it's for you guys hey guess what pivot and go to something else you know don't think that you're 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 stuck into that now now chris seems to have done that a little bit more times than <laughs> than than uh, other guests on the show but that is a, a great example of you know hey he, he didn't want to do the the medical thing didn't want to do the the it thing and probably didn't want to be a copy salesman his whole life and and now he just kept trying different things until he found something you know he loved now at what point did you kind of like discover the whole Amazon thing?
1: so I started looking around and I stumbled across the Amazon uh, ecosystem. I went to a conference in New York um, and uh, and then met a whole bunch of sellers and just really great People really, you know, hardworking, honest, uh, thoughtful folks that I uh, that I could see myself working with. Just the the huge scale of the eco- of the Amazon Marketplace, um, two hundred billion dollars in twenty nineteen is so so big, and it's growing. You know, Amazon's growing, Marketplace is growing within Amazon. Um, it just felt like a really exciting place to be. And then when we looked at um, you know what I feel like I'm good at and uh, and a space where there was a, there was a place to, spa- to, to play in this space was, um, you know, there's so many people that are innovating and creating great products. And to be totally honest with you, Bradley, I, I'm, you know, I'm not a super creative guy. Right. So uh, so creating new products um, and that kind of thing, I just knew wasn't my strong suit. But what I do know how to do is take things to the next level, right? I can mm-hmm. I can take something and, um, and take it global. I can put a whole bunch of um, your processes and technology in place to take it to the next level. And so what we came up with was uh, what Perch does today, which is find winning products and winning brands, give those entrepreneurs uh, a nice reward for all the hard work they've done in terms of a buyout, um, and then take that and put it on our technology platform and, uh, and take it to the next level, right? And build on the success that they've had and the, and the products that they've built uh, and take that forward.
0: Cool, cool. Now that's what we're gonna probably be focusing on, you know, the, most of the rest of the episode because I think that's the most relevant to our, our listeners, you know, is probably, I don't know, I would say 80, 90% Amazon sellers who, who are listening to us. And so I think that a lot of times uh, when people Think about the Amazon opportunity. Whether they learned it from Helium 10 or, or they, they took a course or something. Uh, I mean, the great majority is just like, hey, you're you're trying to build build up the laptop lifestyle and get some good revenue, you know, for yourself and and something you don't have, maybe have to work so much during the week. Eventually, build a team, but but not enough people are talking about another financial benefit of building up an Amazon business is the the potential later on to actually sell that business. And then you don't have to do anything at all. You you know, it's not four hour work week. It's a zero hour work week. If you make enough to, you know, to, to retire off of, or, or or somewhat. So let's just talk about this, this, this process, you know, first of all, like how, how did you guys even discover this, I don't know, need or, or, or this opportunity, I guess you could say of, of how actually kind of, uh, you know, buying existing Amazon businesses and, and building them up is better than just like, Building a, a a million brands yourself?
1: Yeah. So I guess part of it was, um, in talking with some of the entrepreneurs that I met in the space and going to the, you know, the conference we, I went to in New York, um, they, uh, it wasn't Ed's, um, as conference. It was a different one. I, I have been to Ed's as well, but, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, that one was mostly about how to sell your business, right? So the whole conference was, everybody was talking about selling it, and who would buy it, and how to value that? So it was clearly something that was on people's minds. Um, and then, as uh, like I said, as I reflected on what I'm good at, um, you know, I think there obviously is a lot of value for people that are good at launching products on Amazon or elsewhere and building those up. Right? We're paying these people sure. a lot of money, and they're, um, you know, like you said. Many of them probably don't have to work, if not ever again, uh, at least for a few years, they can take off and then decide yeah. to get bored to do something else. Um, so there's a lot of value in that, but um, there's obviously a lot of people who wanted to sell their business, um, and there is a lot of um, upside for us in terms of taking those businesses to the next level and doing things that you know the average uh, entrepreneur in this space maybe doesn't have the time or money uh, or desire to do, right. A lot of people don't want to hire a team of ten or fifteen or thirty people because. Managing people is uh, is not working four hours a week. Typically, on your laptop from wherever you want in the world, uh, it's a different it's a different thing. And so, I think there's a lot of value in both sides. But as in terms of the opportunity that we saw and what what myself and my team is good at is um, you know we've, I've done a lot of M and A and in time, my time at Wayfair and uh, and others. You've done a lot of things to add scale and structure. Real,
0: real quick for everybody. What's M and A? We're not talking about Massachusetts here, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you referring to when you say that? Uh,
1: mergers and acquisitions. Good, good clarification. Yep. All
0: right. So let's 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 just go to the basics now, real quick. Like maybe the top five things that you look at when you first are evaluating. Um, you know how much you're going to offer to. An existing brand that's on amazon so like obviously revenue you know the, the the revenue and and i would imagine the profit margins as well but l- let me let me just ask you have it come for you what are the top five things that that most affect the valuation of of an amazon business
1: yeah absolutely so first of all there's a couple of uh pieces that are just table stakes right? So it's less about valuation, but we won't really look at a company much in depth if they don't have these things. Um, And so some of that is size. And so if you don't have at least $200,000 in the last 12 months of profit, then it's probably too small for us to spend time on. We have bought a couple of companies that are just below that, right? So if you're like 180, 190, and you're growing really fast, um, we'd be open to it. But generally, $200,000 of SDE uh, seller discretionary earnings is as low as we go, um, and then uh, and then brand registry, right? So we generally mm. don't we don't buy, um, and and other people may, but for us, uh, we only buy private label brands that have brand registry, so that they have an ASIN that uh, we can protect, right? We we don't want to be fighting for the buy box. Um, we want to be able to get Amazon to take counterfeiters off and be able to have those ratings and reviews as it's a really big part of what we're buying is the ratings and reviews and the organic ranking that that private label seller has created um and so if you don't have those things then uh, it's typically not a match for us okay. um and then beyond that uh, like i talked about earlier the number one thing we're looking for is a winning product um we want to see a product or products that are top of organic search with um, all the relevant uh, keywords or the most relevant keywords. Um, we
0: I, want. I, I, I wonder what uh, program someone yeah, might use yeah. to, to verify. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think something might be out there that might help with that.
1: I Absolutely. Know. I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. We use Helium 10 uh, there. when, oh, okay. uh, when we're, when we're a thing, these companies, right? So if we want to look at, if somebody says, Hey, take a look at my company. Uh, if you sellers want to know where we're getting our information, if you look on helium 10, um, whatever it says is what we're looking at as well. So it is the the gold standard as far as we're concerned for keyword ranking. Um, and then, um, So well-ranked with uh, keywords, we want to see low return rates, right? customers generally being happy. We want to see ratings and reviews that are differentiated from competitors. So if you look at a lot of product categories, there's usually like two tiers of products. There's anywhere from two to five, maybe a few more that have a lot of reviews, and sometimes depending on the niche, sometimes that's 300 reviews, sometimes that's 5,000 reviews. But there's there's a few that have the most reviews, and then usually there's a there's a drop off, and everybody else has you know 10 of that. So if it's a 500 review category, maybe everybody else has 50 or less reviews, and so we want you to be one of those few that has that top leading review position. Um, and then we look at some other things, like we want to make sure your ad spend is within a normal band. If your tacos is uh, you know above 20 percent that can be a little concerning um, because that doesn't feel sustainable we want to make sure your margin profile looks good Um, we do look at uh, market share over time to make sure that lower priced competitors aren't gaining share rapidly um, things like that Um, and then generally also what we like is like i said we like winning products and we like those winning SKUs. and we realize everybody has a business and so your business might not be a hundred percent asins that Fit all those criteria. Um, but generally, if, uh, if less than 60% of your revenue is from those winning products, right? So if you're somebody who has hundreds of products, and every single product is contributing a few thousand dollars, um, that's also uh, not really a match for us. Or we might, we'd might be open to talking to you about just buying your winning ASINs. Um, but in general, because of the cost of the inventory to keep up with all those products, and it's just harder and more expensive to keep products that are on page two and three of organic search, um, we generally assign less value to those. Um, but we will still buy the whole business. If you have most of your revenue and profit from a few winning SKUs and you want to divest the whole thing, then we absolutely will take uh, take the whole thing.
0: Okay. All right. That's a great starting point here. Um, I have tons more questions here. Uh usually I don't write things down, but I almost feel myself like, you know, I, I need to write some notes down here because uh this is just such an interesting topic to me that we haven't talked about on this in the show in a long time. So I want to make sure that everybody's getting I'm I'm hoping I'm gonna cover everybody else's questions out there, but let's let's just really quick talk you know, you're talking about you know buying brands and brand registry. So when you're actually buying these brands, are you like buying just the brand or are you buying their whole account or sometimes each or how does that work?
1: Yeah, so absolutely. So we typically buy, uh, we always buy the brand. So we, we buy the trademark, um, any IP associated with the brand um, and any um, IP close to the brand. So for example, we've, we've purchased um, uh, you know assets of a company where they had a main brand and then they had a sub-brand that they weren't really using anymore, but it was in the same product category. And because we asked folks to sign a non-compete, um, we bought the, you know, we bought that IP as well. And then outside of that, we typically, um, you know, I'm, I'd say 70% of the time, we've taken over their seller account. But um, either if they ask us to, or if we want to, we can just transfer the ASINs, transfer the brand registry. So we're flexible um, on that. Um, as we've got. Gotten- also, that is
0: possible. That, that That was kind of like what I was getting at, because I wasn't sure. I haven't heard about that. So like, If you're not buying the account and that account has the brand registry, it is a a function of Amazon where there's a process where you can transfer the ownership of the brand from one Amazon account to another?
1: Yep. Yep. So we would transfer the the trademark with the US trademark office first, and then we'd file that new paperwork with Amazon um, and ask them to transfer the brand registry over. And in the interim, you can assign um, our account admin rights. Um, and so, you know, if we, so, cause that, that process can take a little while. So what we can do to be able to close faster is we'll just have you go into your account in your brand registry and make our account an authorized seller. Um, and if you have transparency program, we can also do that. We've done that as well. So, um, so we can have like the immediate term solve to make it work and then, uh, get it fully transferred over.
0: This is great to know. So, so then it's not like you know, you know, people out there might be thinking like, "Hey, I want to build." I'm not sure which one's going to take off. I want to build up multiple brands. It's not like they have to worry about having to have a different account for every single brand just because you have to buy the whole account. They they can have it all in one account, and then you can just sell them an individual brand that that you're interested in.
1: That's correct. Yep, for us anyway. Okay. Yep.
0: Excellent. Excellent. All right. Another question I have is, you know, I, I'm sure it helps somewhat, but how much do you guys look into? The diversification of of platforms that they're selling on, like obviously, I, I would assume you're primarily looking at Amazon USA, but you know, uh, is it nice if they're in Amazon Europe or Amazon Australia or or other marketplaces? Is it nice if they're selling on Walmart.com or or Wayfair or or eBay? You know, like like how does the other marketplaces kind of factor into your your valuation?
1: Yep, absolutely. So today we only purchase um, the Amazon brands. So if you have, and again, everybody has their business and they run their business differently. So if you have less than 10% of your revenue on other platforms, then that's fine. And we'll we'll figure it out. And we've taken over some Shopify sites um, and things like that, that um, come along with the brand. But in general, today we are hyper-focused on Amazon. It's the biggest marketplace. It is uh, growing the fastest. We want to be all of our eggs in this Amazon basket. And so, if you have a business that's 50% on Walmart or something like that, I just I don't think we would be the the perfect uh, match for for that kind of a business. Um, in terms of within Amazon, we love all of Amazon, right? So um, we uh, you know U.S. Uh, all of North America, uh, U.K., uh, Pan EU. Um, you know, most people's Australian or Japanese businesses, or you know, I know they just launched in Brazil, are quite small, so. If you have some business there, that's fine, but it's usually so such a small part of your revenue that um, you know we don't spend a lot of time talking about it. but in general, um, we like all the Amazon platforms.
0: Let's say you are doing the thing of of buying somebody's account instead of just the brand now obviously, there's been horror stories about people say like, hey, when you go through that process of switching bank accounts or registered owners and the accounts get shut down and things like have you ever run into those kind of issues or, or is it a pretty much a uh, you guys got that down to a science where that doesn't happen.
1: We do. So we've done we've done a bunch of these now, and so we do have a process that we follow, which includes giving Amazon a heads up um, and uh, going through the process in the same order every time that we know works um, for sure. Especially the first couple ones that we did, uh, we got um, I think one or two of our accounts shut down for one or two days, but uh, but we've we got it. Re- resolved very quickly, and we talked to the Amazon reps, and we figured it out. So at this point, it's a pretty seamless process. Sometimes there's a hold on funds for a day or two or a week, but your your ASINs are still live. We're still selling, um, and so in general, um, there you know Amazon's always a little bit uh, mercurial, so it can, it can you never quite know. But we have it down at this point to a pretty repeatable science that we haven't had many issues recently.
0: Of course, there's a million factors that would affect. You know, you know, how much somebody would get, but is there any like 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 say somebody has, you know, a million dollars of profit yearly, like what what could they what is the range of what they could be looking at based on other factors?
1: Yeah, so um it varies a lot, right? And I think you know this and that's why you're you're adding all these caveats. You know, if you I mean maybe um as a as a way, one there's a bunch of reports out there that people can get, right? So if you go mm-hmm. to Quiet Light or Empire Flippers or Website Closers, um, that's some of the the bigger brokers out there that we work with. Uh, International is another one. Um, they all have reports, and I think if you pulled up those reports, you would see anything that ranges from you know 1.4 times earnings um, at the at the low end, all the way up to you know, three and a half to four times earnings. If you're a big company um, that has many, many years of results, and so I know that's a really large range. No, well, but um, that's helpful.
0: Some people have no idea where, where uh, what that range is. So that yeah. that definitely uh, answers that. Okay. So uh, speaking of that, uh, what are the biggest things that people can do now? You know, for their business that. You know, so somewhat easily. You know, obviously, brand registry is is, is a is a must. But like to, to get a better return, so like, how do they make themselves more attractive to you? Something that doesn't require changing their entire business model they, that they've been doing. What are some of the easiest things?
1: Yeah, the easiest things would be, and I know this isn't actually easy, but um, uh, but the the short list is uh, really invest in uh, in winning products, right? Create a really high quality product and um, invest in great imagery, um, great customer service, get great reviews, have high uh, sales velocity so you get high organic ranking, watch your keywords, um, watch your ad spend, watch your return rate. Um, and, you know, I mean, this goes all the, all the e-commerce and consumer work I've ever done uh, in my career always comes down to treating your customers well, right? Get a good product, treat your customers well. Um, it doesn't always work out. It's not, like I said, it's not uh, simple, um, but uh, but it's easy to say um is, is have a profitable product. And in general, like I already talked about, we we're building our own portfolio of products made up of winning products from other from all these companies that we're buying, right? So we don't assign any value. Some people say, Oh, I have my revenues spread across a hundred SKUs, and so that should be exciting to you because it's diversified. Um, and mm-hmm. we actually we're building our own diversification, right? By buying all of these winning products, and then we'll have a portfolio of, you know, top of organic search products across a whole bunch of niches. And so, don't focus on diversification. Don't focus on launching a million products and trying to, you know, get a few dollars of profit out of every single one. Um, both for us for exit, but also for yourself. Um, that's a lot of working capital. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of your personal money tied up in inventory. Um, you're gonna spend a lot of time managing too many suppliers. I think you'll get a lot more bang for your buck, both in terms of your own personal work-life balance of managing less, and then in terms of your exit opportunities, um, for us anyway, we really like, we would much rather have a company with a few winning products than with 100 products that are all second page of organic search.
0: Okay, all right, cool. What about like if somebody has a big email list that they've built up, they have a big social media presence? I mean, obviously you're taking those over as well but you know how how much does that play in the valuation like is is it really attractive if all of a sudden they have a a a list or a a instagram page for their brand that has fifty thousand highly engaged followers does that mean much to you or or it's not that important
1: it does that's valuable but it's only valuable on top of what we already talked about and so if you are um if you have a great instagram following but not winning products um we're not as interested in that But if you have a set of great products and you have a loyal social following, um, and we're kind of open to all platforms—Facebook, Instagram, Twitter—however, however however you're getting people to follow you, um, absolutely. Um, And we have purchased um, brands like that. We've even brought over VAs uh, from some of the brands who are running those programs, so that we don't lose any of that special sauce that uh, that was going into that before. Because for sure, if you've found a way to drive off Amazon traffic onto Amazon. Then that is valuable, right? That, that helps you not only get more sales, but get better organic ranking because Amazon values those um, those kind of clicks onto their platform and then and then conversions pretty highly in their search algorithm.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Rough figures. What's if you if you can say this? What's the most you guys have ever paid for an Amazon business, and the least?
1: The least was uh i think around four or five hundred thousand dollars um and the most is several several million dollars
0: nice nice so i think that that should get some people excited about who who wouldn't want that kind of payday uh, that's that's what i was
1: yeah i mean even on the low end but on the high end like you can uh i don't know what everybody's lifestyle is like out there but several million dollars goes a long way (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know spend spend a few years on a cruise or something
0: Yeah. Now now this is just for you guys. I'm just curious. What what's your end game here? Like, uh, are you are you is it is this kind of like a flip my house on on the uh, on the home improvement channel where you you want to buy a house and then flip it later on for more money? Are you just trying to build this revenue stream or or what what are you guys trying to do?
1: I am glad you asked. That's a great question. We this uh, I'm going to tell you what uh, what I really think here, and you might call me a dreamer, but um. I I think that the future of products out there lives with the entrepreneur. I think that um, companies like Procter and Gamble, who develop a lot of, and Unilever, and those who develop a lot of the products that we all buy today, um, are are not going to be be able to keep up with the the hustle of uh, these entrepreneur communities that are out there. Um, And over time, because it's gotten so much easier to source products from China through Alibaba and so much easier to sell products through places like the Amazon marketplace, that I think more and more people are going to continue to create products, innovate on those products, create better products than you can get from uh, the big CPG companies out there um, and sell those and and find success. And so what we want to do is we want to build a platform that over time, you know, i I what I'm building is a, is a lasting company, right? Uh, we want to have the best products from across the world. Um, we are starting today on Amazon, but eventually we're going to be meaningfully multi-channel, and we want to have all the best products and have this collection of products that are made by entrepreneurs and therefore better suited for um, for the problems that they're solving and uh, and are successful in the marketplace. And then we can take those and we can use our uh, our scale and our technology and take them global. Put them on, you know, if you're not already, you know, for example, if you have just an Amazon US product, um, you know, over time, our our aspiration would be to take that, take it global, put it on Walmart, put it on, um, you know, wish.com or any other uh, marketplace that's out there, uh, secure the right brick and mortar relationships, sell these things through brick and mortar. And really, the goal is to take the best products and give them the benefits of scale. And I think that this can be a really interesting um new entrant into consumer goods you know i think more and more we can get great winning products at a much lower cost than um than otherwise through your normal kind of unilever procter and yeah. gamble type of companies um, and so i, I think i this, i'm really excited about the transition that's going on and the um and the fact that all these entrepreneurs are now able to launch these products and be successful and uh, and then we can help them take it to the next level
0: nice nice now now how many will you have you know, potentially bought by the end of uh, end of this year for t- for 2020. So uh, you come December 31st, you guys will have bought maybe how many? Yeah, uh, Amazon companies. Yeah, we
1: think we'll have about 20 by the end of 2020, um, and close to 75 by the end of 2021.
0: Wow, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So so basically, you're just taking it over, and you got your whole team of people who, who just take over where, where the brand owner left, left off, you know, where they're doing all the keyword research and managing the PPC campaigns and, and building it out. Like, are you guys actually expanding the brand too? like the product line? Like, like, let's say it's a, you know, like the project X coffin shelf. So, so you buy that, you buy the Manny's mysterious oddities, uh, brand <laughs> that, that we created on project X. And then you're like, Hey, let's make a, a coffin bookcase and let's make this. Are you guys doing that? Or are you just kind of like, just like expanding the existing products?
1: So we do not do any new product launches. Um, we, uh, we, we, like, I, like I was just saying, you know, we think that the launch process is, uh, is what these entrepreneurs are great at and what Helium 10 helps them with. And so in general, we don't want to compete with our... You know, I view the sellers as our customers in a bunch of ways. Um, right? So they have built this great business, and I want to convince them that we are the right home for that business for the long term. And we don't want to compete with our customers by launching new products. And so um, we take the brand, we commit to kind of making the most out of that existing brand. But as you as you know, Bradley, the, the hardest part of this whole thing is creating a product that gets product market fit, right? That ends up, that customers love, that gets to the top of organic search, that has great ratings and reviews, that has a low return rate. Like that is hard, it's really hard. Even people that are really good at it have, uh, you know, a, <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, some people might claim that they have a ninety percent success rate. I think that you know, by our, by our standards, of you know, winning skew probably needs to have at least a hundred thousand, if not two hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue. Um, by that standard, you know, most people maybe have a 10, 15, 20% hit rate. So it's really hard, even if you're good at it. Yeah. Um, and so our, what we want to do is say, that's what you guys are good at. Right. Um, and, uh, and you guys should do that. And what we're good at is taking that and taking it to the next level. And so we take the brand, we try to maximize the value of what we have. And so we, um, we invest in the products we invest in terms of like making sure the high quality, if we get feedback from customers on this thing or that thing, um, so we'll always being open to variations, but typically the ASIN, right? The, all those reviews, that organic ranking, is the most important part. And so we're not—we tr- don't try to recreate new ASINS. Typically, we we take what we have and we hmm. and we try to go go as far as we can with it.
0: That, that's actually curious to me. You know, like I, I, not not that I'm second guessing you guys because you're obviously a successful business, and I'm just you know me here in my podcast studio right here. But you know, to me, like in my experience, a lot of you know a lot a lot of products on Amazon, you know have a shelf life, you know? So if you're not expanding the brand, you know, it's, it's, you don't maintain the sales. It just grow, grow, goes down, you know, gradually. So the way that other brand owners kind of expand or, you know, alleviate that is by, by expanding out, you know, new products. So I would assume then uh, that actually kind of maybe narrows down the focus. Like you definitely want product lines and existing products that, that are kind of evergreen, I, I guess you could say, as opposed to ones where you're like, yeah, this is, this is probably going to go out of style in a couple of years or something.
1: Correct. Yeah. So we um, we generally stay away from things that require high levels of new product introduction to stay relevant. And so that is you know anything uh, fashion um, oriented, uh, high tech type of stuff. We stay away from. Um, Anything that feels like uh, like fidget spinners is the example I always use mm-hmm, with my team, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't want to buy fidget spinners because those are going to go up and then go way down. Um, so yeah, so we're looking for steady evergreen products, which you know I think is probably eighty percent um, of the catalog. Um, and then what we're what our goal would be to do is, you know, people are always going to be buying mixing bowls, right, or spatulas or aprons or whatever those things are sure and so as long as we and i'm not saying we don't do any product innovation we will kind of keep the product updated with the best uh that you know is available right now we respond to customer feedback so we want to make sure these products stay relevant within their categories but always within that asin right with the, the power of what we're buying is those three thousand five 5 five-star reviews um and that organic ranking um and and you're right we keep it narrow we're focused just on making those things as um As successful as we can.
0: Cool, cool. All right. Now, what is your uh, 30 second tip? We call that that's of our show. You know, you've been telling us a lot of different strategies uh, about how to improve the value of your business, but is there something that you can think of really quick that you can say in 30 seconds or less that's, you know, highly valuable, highly actionable that would help anybody along this path who's trying to build up their business for future sale?
1: So, yeah. So, I'd say the most important thing if you are looking to sell your business is to really create um, a a best-in-class product that we believe will be an enduring product for years to come. Um, And what that means is something that has great reviews, great organic ranking across the right keywords, um, has a a good price position, a good good profitability, good cost position, um, you know, good customer feedback. And uh, you're really... It comes down to um, building a great product and a great brand. And, and if you've done that, um, which I expect uh, many of your listeners are doing and aspire to do, then, then we'd be really interested in talking with you.
0: Love it. All right. So along those lines, if somebody feels that they you know might be ready to take that next step and start the, uh, the process, how can they find you guys on the interwebs to get that started?
1: Yeah, our website is perchhq.com. Um, And if you want, you're always welcome to email me directly. It's just chris at perchhq.com.
0: Awesome. All right, Chris. Well, we'll try and maybe uh, reach back with you sometime uh, next summer, 2021. Let's see see if you guys hit that, that goal of the businesses. It'd be great to see what you've learned in the last year.
1: Great. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Bradley.